Imagine you are Angela Merkel, the Chancellor of Germany, and you're at the White House. You're on the stage with President Joe Biden, and this is how, and this is how he introduces you. I want to take a moment to acknowledge the historic nature of her chancellorship. First woman chancellor in German history, the first chancellor from the former East Germany. And now the second largest, longest serving chancellor since Helmut Kohl. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to the Monday edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I know, I know the opening. I understand. In most circumstances, when people make little mistakes like that, we don't notice it. And all of us do from time to time. We have little vocal or verbal gaffes. The difference is with President Joe Biden, these are a daily occurrence and probably multiple times a day. Do you remember when uh, President Ford stumbled and almost fell? And everybody made fun of him for the next, oh, I don't know, how many years? Forever? I mean, he never lived it down. But when Joe Biden is getting up on Air Force One and trips three times, the media covers for him. If President Trump or President Bush or any Republican or conservative congressman or senator ever have the number of verbal missteps that Joe Biden has, you'd never hear the end of it. It would be just round-the-clock news. But the press is so compliant to protect Joe Biden, who is the puppet president of the United States. So many things that he has done and said make no sense. Whatever things he stood for 20, 30, 40 years ago, they're all out the window now. Kind of like when Al Gore became the vice president. You know, you may not know this, but at one time, I remember it well, Al Gore was beloved by many good church-going people because he was also pro-life. Until he became the vice president under Bill Clinton and suddenly all bets are off. Today I want to share some news and things you can use. There's a lot of news out there, a lot of stories I've been following. And today we're kind of we're going to go through a long list of things and some things. I just want to tie a few things together for you. And let's start with this. If you go back through history, all societies that have had governments that attempted to or succeeded in controlling the speech of their citizens, every one of them has one thing in common. They're totalitarian nightmares. It's why the, the, the founding fathers of this country, those who put their life and fortunes on the line, sorry, America was not founded in 1619 to be a slave country. Slavery existed in a lot of places. There are more white European slaves suffering in Africa than blacks that ever suffered in the United States. That's just a fact. And truthfully, many of the founding fathers found slavery reprehensible. Remember, 1619, the uh, British government and the French and other European nations were the ones that were carving out, including Spain, what is now today the United States. In the 1700s, they tried to build a new nation. And yeah, it took about 60 some odd years to finally eliminate slavery. 
but it was not the primary reason of the United States. So critical race theory is a bunch of nonsense designed to divide this nation even further. Now, over the last several weeks, these tech giants that we know as Fascist Book or Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, all of them, they are now... They're now calling anything that they don't agree with, whether it's factual or not. They call it disinformation. So I've shared with you, this program used to end up on YouTube. It might still, for all I know. I don't really pay attention anymore because so many of the episodes are disappearing. Because they need to be removed. So they say, because I'm spreading misinformation. Telling the truth on Twitter is the fastest way to get knocked off Twitter. And what really disturbed me was a press conference last week. Now, remember, over these past couple of decades, we've been watching this erosion of free speech occur in our nation. And it really started in earnest before even Trump took office, President Trump in 2017 in January when he became president and was sworn in. There has been this move toward fascism among many people in government. We have an entrenched bureaucratic class. And they don't like to be challenged. They don't want you to know what they do. They don't want to be accountable to you or anybody else. They, they enjoy doing what they do. Well, Saki, you know who she is. Jen Saki, late last week, said that the Biden administration is busy now identifying This is the White House press secretary now telling you that the Biden administration is now identifying what they call problematic posts. And they want Facebook now to censor all these problematic posts because they may, well, they contain what the White House calls misinformation about COVID-19. Now, Jan Psaki disclosed the government's role in policing social media during her daily press conference briefing um, after the Surgeon General, uh, Vivek Murphy, Murphy, called on companies to purge more pandemic posts. This is what Jan had to say. Uh, we've increased uh, disinformation research and tracking uh, within the Surgeon General's office. We're flagging problematic posts for Facebook uh, that spread disinformation. We're working with doctors and medical professionals to connect uh, to connected medical experts with popular with popular who are popular with their audiences with uh, with accurate information and boost trusted content. So we're helping get trusted content out there. We also created the COVID nineteen the COVID Community Corps to get factual information into the hands of local messengers. And we're also investing, uh, as you all have seen, in the president's, the vice president's, and Dr. Fauci's time in meeting with influencers who also have large reaches to a lot of these target audiences who can spread and share accurate information. Now, I don't know about you, but the implications of what we just heard from Jen Psaki is utterly mind-boggling. You know, for the last four years, The leftist movement in the United States has been screaming from the rooftops, marching in the streets, and protesting outside the White House prior to January, uh, demanding demanding an end to what they called fascism. Now we have the merger of corporate media and state entities creating, in essence, de facto fascism 
and and they're not even silent about it. They're behind it. They're they're shouting it from the rooftop. We want fascism. The entire ins- the whole thing's insidious. The whole move is a push to either convince or otherwise trick the vaccine hesitant in the United States into taking this questionable, in my opinion, this shot. Announcing that the government is now going to merge with this, you know, having government merging uh, with states and private businesses like uh, Facebook and Twitter to silence critics on social media is hardly a way to build any kind of a trust. How are you going to trust something when you know that they're silencing legitimate people that have questions or objections? I read material every day from actual physicians who are credible. They know what they're talking about, and they have their reasons to be concerned. But no, we're not allowed to hear them. They must be silenced. You're not allowed to hear any opinion that differs from that of Jen Paskey or Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or the Surgeon General. We know everything. And Facebook, you must make everybody believe what we tell you to make them believe. And this is what's going on. And there's a lot of money involved. Instead of trying to be transparent, what we're seeing now is our government attempting to silence any information that doesn't back up the narrative they're trying to trick us into following. The government believes, the Biden administration in particular believe, that creating an endless stream of completely unchallenged information and news which concurs to their claims. In other words, we don't get to hear the other side, just the one side. Then people will eventually be convinced as any contrary information will be deemed problematic and be erased from memory. I don't know about you, but this is a very slippery slope and one I never thought I'd see our nation take. This demand, in my opinion, for censorship is just unprecedented. And Saki's admissions, you know, the White House Press Secretary Saki, her admission of government involvement follows a series of flip-flops from health officials who keep contradicting themselves all the time. Since the beginning of this pandemic, the narrative keeps changing. So when are we? what is the real narrative? I believe we're not being told the truth yet. And I think there's some things out there they don't want us to know. You remember, you remember the lab leak theory? We talked about it early on when this was still your weekend show last year in April. I already was convinced from the data that I had seen from the work that I was doing that this thing was not man-made. This thing was not natural. It didn't didn't come from a bat species jumping to humans and and having the perfect spike protein. We're now realizing that Fauci himself, the father of the virus, and others have been deeply involved with this kind of treachery for years. And in spite of the lies they told to the Congress and the Senate, we have been paying for gain-of-function or gain-of-threat research. We just do it through third parties that then send the money and the virus to China. Now we find out the lab leak theory that the media and social media, you know, if you told, if you said on Facebook six months ago, this came out of a Wuhan lab, you were, you were thrown off. Those posts disappeared. You couldn't say it on Twitter. I tried to, and it would get, uh, I, I, my account would be gone, locked up. That's why I finally gave up a truth to ponder account. I just got rid of it. 
because you can't give truth to ponder on Twitter. doesn't work. Now we find out the lab leak theory is probably true. Other issues of the day. The United States military is increasingly very different than the military of maybe 20 years ago. You know, the military that my dad knew in World War II. Yeah, very different than the one that I knew 50 years ago, 40 years ago. It also is infecting the chaplains that that serve our nation and serve the spiritual needs of our servicemen. Chaplains are increasingly getting fired or kicked out of the military for one thing, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and things that are found in Scripture. Progressive activists and leftists have been gradually pushing a new agenda The chaplains today are finding totally incompatible with their beliefs and their faith. There's a war going on for the hearts and minds of America's fighting men and women. And sadly, I hate to report the woke activists. The woke activists are winning, at least in terms of of institutional infiltration. Look, I even saw it with hospice. I was at one time a hospice chaplain. And I even considered it, maybe doing more of it. This is like 20 some odd years ago. I would have to have gone back to school for additional studies. But one day I realized there's a change going on and I didn't like the change. They wanted me to be more, instead of being a person to talk to people of faith, even from a similar or the same faith background as myself, where I could freely talk about what the scripture says, They were trying to tell me not to talk about Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. They wanted this all-dogs-go-to-heaven mentality, and I, I just couldn't buy it. And so with great sadness, I walked away from it. It was a very difficult ministry, but even there, I remember when my my late wife was in the hospital before she died, a hospice chaplain from the same agency I had worked with a few years before it came by. He had to have been a Unitarian Universalist, and I threw him out. He's giving me all this all-dogs-go-to-heaven nonsense, and I just said, you know, I don't need you here. Go away. I want to talk about what the Bible says, what my Jesus says. I don't want to talk to you about this nonsensical garbage that you're pumping out there of humanism. But getting back to our, our military... We're seeing, we're seeing chaplains that are becoming disenchanted, and they're leaving the military ranks, and I don't blame them, or they're getting thrown out anyway. It's not easy to do. A recent report indicates that these trends are rapidly accelerating. According to the Daily Mail in the U.K., there's a report. The U.S. Navy is too woke for war because of politically correct, control-freak top brass. And according to that official report prepared by Rear Admiral Mark Montgomery and Marine Lieutenant General Robert uh, Schmidl and commissioned by members of Congress... This is all in response to two collisions involving Navy ships and the surrender of two sea craft to Iran. Remember that? 
Remember when we, when we surrendered some sea craft to Iran, of all places? Yeah. They claim the Navy's surface warfare forces have systemic training and leadership issues. <laughs> I thought it was racism that was systemic, but apparently they have training and leadership issues, including a... All right, here's the problem. They Here's the main issue. There's too much of a focus on diversity. Diversity and wokeness. Transgenderism. Changing one's biological sex. And all this is more important than basic readiness skills. After anonymously interviewing naval officers... Montgomery and Schmidl found that 94% of those interviewed believe that all the recent failures in the Navy, including the two collisions in the Pacific, are part of a much broader problem in Navy culture and leadership. As one retired officer scathingly put it, I can guarantee you that every unit in the Navy is totally up to speed on diversity training, critical race theory, and the latest trends in transgenderism. But they don't know the first thing about ship handling or warfare. Even one black lieutenant stated, sometimes I think we care more about whether we have enough diversity officers than if we can survive a fight with an enemy navy. And he claims it's criminal, and I agree. They think the only value that this individual had, this officer, this lieutenant had is, I'm a black woman. And and she was going, this is craziness. From across the U.S. Navy, officers, captains complain that the top brass, they value appearances over any ability to fight a war. The report concluded that The excessive focus on social engineering was hurting the Navy's readiness for combat. The non-combat curricula consumes too much of the Navy's resources, clogs email inboxes, creates administrative quagmires, monopolizes precious training time because you're training on the ridiculous, not the needed. And by weighing down sailors with non combat-related idiotic training and administrative burdens. Both Congress and Navy leaders risk sending them into battle unprepared, unfocused, and they can't deal with their opponents. You know, my dad was a Marine in World War II. Can you imagine? I don't think my my dad is gone now, but I don't think he would have put up with any of this silliness. It It just doesn't make any sense. We would have lost the Second World War. We'd either be speaking German or Japanese if we had today's Navy back then, the same mindset. The final conclusion, a major peer-level conflict in the 21st century will likely play out largely in a naval theater of operations. Unlike the surface Navy's last major war, you know, the, the last Navy war that was ever won was World War II. We haven't won anything since. And a conflict today will proceed swiftly 
and not permit any kind of time for organizational learning and training at the last minute. Oh, hey, we got to stop critical race theory training now. Now we have to learn how to operate the ship. Unless changes are made, the Navy will lose the next major conflict. Thus punishing midshipmen who criticize Black Lives Matters, compelling soldiers to march in high heels, to embrace identity politics, even in the face of evidence that such policies might weaken, if not subvert, American fighting power is carried out with just an awful ability to defend itself. For progressives, the Navy must have a back seat to the imperatives of the revolution that includes fighting. Look, the leftists want the Navy unprepared to fight. There's something sinister going on here. So it seems the left is winning the battle on destroying our military from the inside out with all of this stuff. Listen, join the military, become a Marine as a man, leave as a woman. They'll pay for it. This is how are we going to defend this country? It's because the left does not want us. This goes back to the reprobate mind that we talk about on this program. The leadership a reprobate mind. They can't even logically figure things out. They somehow believe that all of what they're doing is all good and wholesome. They are satanically deceived. You know, along with our military, along with our political and health and economic crises we've had to deal with over the past, I don't know, 18 months, and the last six months of increasing inflation, You know, I saw a sign yesterday. We were in a little shopping center. And uh, I saw a restaurant was closed. Normally, they used to be open on the weekends. And there the sign said we're going to be closed until the, what, I think it was like the, oh, 20-something of July. They were taking about, you know, six, seven days off. And on the sign, it said, we only have one waitress and she needs some time off. So we're having to close the restaurant because of today's American work ethic. Nobody wants to work anymore. I can remember a few weeks ago, maybe about a month ago, we stopped. We were going to get something to eat at a little fast food place. The dining room was closed, not because of COVID, because they couldn't find anybody to work. This giving away all this money. Look, we got people used to not working during the pandemic, being told they're non-essential. Now we need them back at work, and they're kind of liking the extra money benefits of staying home. We've created a disincentive for people to work. Our money value is going down. Our work ethic is disappearing. And I got some other things to share. But as kids head back to school this fall, a battle is heating up. And it's the fight for the American schools. And we're not talking, you know, we're not talking about just wearing face mask silliness and all this nonsense for kids that don't spread or get the virus at all, really. It's actually something else. A lot of school boards are quietly trying to adopt this critical race theory. They don't want to call it that because they know that merely saying it will touch off a firestorm. They don't want to go anywhere near it. 
They call it all kinds of stuff like diversity, like uh, critical, you know, understanding a critical view of American history. They gave it all kinds of names. And this, I saw an article that debates in school across the country are on new curriculum and how racism in American history will be taught. And yes, the mass mandates come up from time to time too in some places. And transgenderism, got to run that transgenderism flag up the pole, my friend. Rainbows and all. See, schools are all about sexual identity, racial identity, and nothing to do with mathematics, English, history, practical common sense. It's over. And how these schools are fiercely debating questions are resolved will affect how our schools will, well, how our schools will survive and, and really our nation in the long run. These school districts are run, in my opinion, you know, you can't even address some of these school boards without them minimizing what you can say. And if they don't like what you're saying, they'll leave. They'll, the school board members have been known to get up and walk out and shut the meeting down. These districts today in places like, oh, I don't know, Loudoun County, Virginia and others, they're run by total leftist cowards, people that shouldn't be in in any capacity anywhere near our children. They're a danger These cowards use the power of the police like a police state, like a bunch of fascists or Nazis trying to run their meetings and acting like these are our children, not your children. And there have been meetings like this. Who pays your salary? Shame on you. What had been planned as a typical school board meeting in Virginia's wealthy Loudoun County this week devolved into pandemonium. with hundreds of parents flooding an auditorium to accuse the school system of teaching their kids that racism in America is structural and systemic. Things got so heated that the board members eventually walked out, leaving the police to deal with the unruly crowd. Two people left in handcuffs. This is an unlawful arrest. I have a First Amendment The tensions in Loudoun echo a larger battle playing out across the country as Americans tackle racial and social injustice in the wake of the police killing of George Floyd last year. The idea that CRT, as it's known, is infiltrating public schools has become a rallying cry for conservatives who, like many in Loudoun, say it is being used to indoctrinate children that America is a racist country. I want you to notice the very dismissive tone of the reporter at pretty much painting the concerned parents for the problem. They're, They're in the wrong, of course. The school board, they understand the true needs of our nation's children, diversity, transgenderism, understanding that the United States is a systemically racist nation and must be purged of of racism. And we must get rid of, you know, white supremacy and all that goes with it. You know, if you're not if you don't believe me, just look it up on Wikipedia. What used to be a great idea in its day for an encyclopedia, Wikipedia has gone woke. I don't trust half the stuff in there anymore. And people like me are not allowed to comment, post, or edit because I'm not woke. I don't fit. Christian parents are increasingly having to deal with these woke and morally broke school boards. And Christian parents also have to face the question about is math racist? I mean, it's time. You know, it's going to be the responsibility of of Christians and conservative parents 
to take over their children's education. Believe it or not, it does matter what kind of worldview is being instilled in our children at a young age. You got the Biden administration talking about adding a couple of years. They want 14 or more years of your kid in a government school. They want to have them from the time they're just beginning to talk until the time they're 20. They want to control what goes into their mind. Adolf Hitler took over the schools. Mao Zedong took over the schools. The North Korean communists took over the schools. I mean, this is what they do. The Soviet Union took over the schools. A good education is a great thing. And we all want our children to have a good education. You know, Jesus addressed a crowd. You can find it in Scripture, in Matthew chapter 7. And basically what he said, which one of you, if their son or daughter would ask for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father which is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Basically, the publication of the the public education, the schools today, are the stones and snakes for our children. And it's time for Christians to say no. The process of building the biblical worldview, it begins at home. And this process is either helped or hurt by what happens in the classroom. A person's worldview is not merely shaped by how they spend a little time on a Sunday or whether they get some decent habits and maybe a little bit of spiritual discipline at home. It's also being taught in how they're taught history, science, literature, and math, even current events. Christian parents need to, I'm telling you, need to care about what our children are being taught and equally as important, who is teaching our children. Our children's worldviews are being consistently shaped by social media, education, regular media, and a government curriculum that feeds its own desires and is not in tune with God. They're not biblical. And it's only getting worse. It's even finding its way gradually even into small-town America. It's not just in the big cities anymore. Remember remember Kathleen Sebelius? You know, we, there's a deep decline in vaccination rates for the COVID-19 concoction. And President Biden has said, or his team has had him say, that he wants his administration to send people door to door. They want to set up clinics at workspaces, you know, workplaces. They want to, they're, they're, they're asking employers to give paid time off to those, you know, that'll take the jab. They may need time off to recuperate. There's an effort to reach tens of millions of unvaccinated Americans. Remember, Former Obama Administration Health and Services Secretary Kathleen Sebelius? Well, she was on CNN last week, and she compared not being vaccinated to COVID-19. She she compared it to, like, drunk driving or smoking in public uh, on her appearance on CNN. I think that it's time to say to those folks, it's fine if you don't 
choose to get vaccinated, you may not come to work. You may not have access to a situation where you're going to put my grandchildren in jeopardy, where you might kill them, where you might put them in a situation where they're going to carry the the virus to someone in a high risk position. Now, if you listen carefully, I think she almost said carry the vaccine. Well, perhaps it is the vaccine that might kill us. You never know. They rushed to push this concoction into the arms of every human being on Earth. The fact they're doing it bothers me. It's frightening on a lot of levels. In addition, either governments around the world are not telling us something. Honestly, sometimes I wonder if this is the spirit of Antichrist at work. I don't know. But this push, ramping up threats against your job, your education, your livelihood. You know, I expect the day's going to come. You know, you people on Medicare, if you get sick, we're not going to let you go into a hospital unless you get vaccinated. I've got some feelings and opinions on this, and I think a lot of you know it. I'm telling you, when it comes to this vaccine, let me just say this, and I've, I've used this analogy a couple of times, but I want you to remember this. There's this big push that all these unvaccinated people are going to kill the vaccinated people with the coronavirus. Now, what kind of insane nonsense is that? I mean, you know, it's like, okay, it's a cold day uh, somewhere in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada in February. And it's like Justin Trudeau saying, I'm cold, so you need to put on a jacket. You're standing outside and Justin Trudeau says, I'm cold. You need to put on a jacket to keep me warm. That is the most insane. That's what it boils down to, friends. If this so-called concoction in the arm works, why do we have to, uh, why do the vaccinated people have to worry about the unvaccinated people if there's supposedly, you know, this 98% effectiveness, it doesn't, it, that's a lie too. We'll talk about that a little bit on the other side. We're running out of time. We're late for the break. This is Truth to Ponder. This is the Monday edition. I have a lot of stuff. I mean, I even get to all of it today. Some of this may carry into tomorrow, which is okay. We're both a ministry and a news source. We try to just look at the news objectively, honestly, and cut through the nonsense, cut through the noise, cut through the the agendas. There are a lot of people that consider themselves or try to pawn themselves off as conservatives that have some of the most outlandish things I hear on radio and TV and social media and their websites and their videos that are absolutely crazy. And they make claims they can't back up. And they sell you a pile of fear and then try to sell you their snake oil. Sorry, but a lot of them do it, and I don't. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here to give you truth to ponder. I am not a paid employee of this program. There is no paid employees of this program. Because I'm the only employee that this program has. And the only thing we do with any monies that come in is buy airtime. Getting the program out to more people. And I'm working on that on a daily basis. Yeah, maybe someday this operation will get a little bit bigger. Maybe I'll have people doing some research. Maybe I can get some help in distributing the program. Maybe I can get some help in letting more people know about it. 
And this fall, we'll have more airtime on shortwave because I think it's increasingly important to have a voice crying in the wilderness. That's what we're doing here. We have a website, truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. We also can be heard on satellite, Galaxy 19. We are working over the next two to three weeks to totally revamp the music that we play. This program airs four different times on satellite, and I'm desperately working to upgrade the music, so please be patient. There's only one of me, and there's a lot to get done. But the program can be heard, and you can find out more about who we are, truth2ponder.com. If you have any comments, thoughts, or suggestions, send me an email, bob at truth2ponder.com. If you would like to support us financially, you could do it from the website. Uh, I believe even from some of the podcast sites now have an option to support our work. And if you would like to, I'd appreciate it. It's, you know, right now we're going to come to the end of the month in about a week and a half. And we have some bills coming uh, for one of the stations will be due on the first. And we're not there yet, but God has been faithful. And I want to thank those of you who support this ministry week in and week out. I will tell you that my wife and I will be on the road next week visiting the daughter in Virginia, and the program is going on the road. I recently had to spend a little over $100 for materials and things to make the program more portable so we can do this because it gets hard trying to record two and three programs in advance so we can be gone for a day day or two. And in fact, in helping a project that they're involved in in their, their house, we may be there two weeks, so I needed a way to record and have a place and everything I need. So, uh, let's see, with everything, probably about $130, $140. But it, it makes it possible to take the show on the road and even do telephone interviews. If you believe in our work, look for us at truth2ponder.com, truth2ponder.com. Our mailing address, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K-S-H-I-R-E, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's important, number 263. And we are in Sky Valley, two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. That's 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. And we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. The Bride in Curlers. Shalom Aleichem, this is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Every bride seeks to appear beautiful in the eyes of her groom, but it's often an involved process, an expensive process, and a long process. So in the ancient Hebrew marriage, the bride and groom would stay separate for a year. The groom would prepare a place for the bride, and the bride would prepare herself for the groom. Her mission was to get ready and make herself beautiful. Now, anybody who's witnessed a woman getting beautiful or making herself beautiful or trying to knows that things often get worse before they get better. A woman covered with facial cream and a head full of curlers isn't very beautiful. See, sometimes looking uglier is a necessary part of becoming more beautiful. And so, in the same way, if you're born again, you're the bride. And now is the time of your preparation. That's why you and Messiah are separated, so you can become beautiful. This is the time given for you to prepare for the marriage, to become beautiful, to become beautiful in his eyes, beautiful in spirit, beautiful in love, beautiful in faith, beautiful in joy, beautiful in peace. But you know, becoming beautiful is usually an involved process and not overnight. And often, before we become more beautiful, we must appear less beautiful, even ugly. 
in the mirror in our own eyes. So if you're looking at yourself and your heart and your attitude and your spirituality and your selfishness, it can be pretty scary, pretty ugly. But don't be discouraged because in seeing her lack of beauty, that's how the bride becomes beautiful in the Lord. So you're not the picture of beauty or spirituality. It's okay. This is the time of your preparation. You don't have to be beautiful. You have to become beautiful. One more ask for the sound of the bridegroom. Now, the free gift for you. From the sands of Judea to the wings of the cherubim to the writings of the rabbis, the awesome long-hidden mystery now revealed the mystery of the temple doors. You'll love it. And Sapphire is guaranteed to bless your socks off. How do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. Just dial 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA, Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. I invite you to minister with me together bringing salvation to God's chosen people, Israel, and to the unreached peoples of every nation on five continents with over a billion people. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct. Just write to the nice Jewish boy at box 1111 Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111. It's Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, and it's 07644. Until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying Shalom Alechem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah, Hechatan, the Bridegroom. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome back to part two of the program, Truth to Ponder. We went we went really long in that first segment. I'm sorry about that. Got a few more stories I really want to try to get in today that I think you're going to find fascinating. I'm, I'm sure you may have heard some of these stories before. Maybe some of them have been in a headline form. I'm just trying to tie all this together. You know, even the WHO, the WHO, you've heard of them. The World Health Organization, bought and paid for by China and Big Pharma. They're finally admitting. They may have been premature about uh, dismissing the idea uh, that this thing may have leaked out of a lab in Wuhan. Well, their handlers in China told them to. They had no choice. They were never allowed to see anything of importance. China has struck back aggressively, arguing that attempts to link the origins of COVID-19 to a lab were politically motivated. They're still saying, we did not do it. We have nothing to do with it. Yet, I really believe they did, along with the father of the virus, Fauci, Dr. Burks at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, Peter Daszak of the EcoHealth Alliance. These are criminals, in my opinion. And they cause all kinds of havoc and disarray in our world. And they need to be held accountable for the, well, the many that have died for from the virus and because of the, well, the response to the virus was also deadly. People have died of alcohol, drug addiction, loss of income, suicide, all this because of what these evil men did. And yet we're told that that the it's the little children that are the super spreaders that need to wear their face mask all day, which is sick. These people are bonafiably satanically sick. There's a report that came out of Canada 
have a lot of, we're growing an audience in Canada, and, and I'm thankful. The latest data from Statistic Canada, this came out of the Toronto Sun newspaper. Excess mortality during the pandemic, those numbers are out, and the news is not what the health officials expected. Death from other causes far outnumbered COVID deaths. Gee, the world didn't all die of COVID. More people died of everything else. More to the point, what they said, the excess mortality is really has to do more with increases in the number of deaths attributed with substance abuse, misuse, unintentional accidental poisoning, diseases that people did not get treated because they were locked down in their homes by your man-child premier. The little boy that runs around in Ottawa thinks he's a premier and a world globe, you know, jet setter, whatever you want to call him. He's dangerous. The little kid is dangerous. He's a dangerous man and from a dangerous family destroying your nation. People died of diseases that are treatable because they couldn't get into your hospital. Because we were told to be on lockdown. Because the virus is going to kill us all. Disruption of services and programs for people. Yeah, more people died from non-COVID lockdown nonsense in Canada than of COVID-19. Thank you, Justin for the great job you're doing for the citizens of Canada. Arresting church pastors. Sending your little, you know, goose-stepping Nazis out to shut churches down. What a great job, little Justin. And now, here in the United States, we're talking booster shot time. For those that have already been fully vaccinated, we need to find out if... if we, if this is going to work, might need more shots. Maybe you need them every six months. Maybe for the really, I read a story, for the really sick, they may need a shot every month. Jay Butler, he's a deputy director at the CDC, the Center for Disease Concoctions and, and Preservation or Prevention. We're keenly interested in knowing whether or not a third dose May, may give any kind of, we want to know if it may give an adverse reaction, but we don't think so. Because of these rare side effects. I don't think they're so rare. And I have my reasons. I know people that have died after taking the vaccine, but nobody that I know that died of COVID. I've known people that have been very sick with it, but not died. But I know those that have died shortly thereafter getting the vaccine. Our government will make a decision in the United States whether to administer booster shots. And they really need to put those among the elderly and, you know, they got to give them to the sickly and the elderly. I tell you this by, St. Paul used this line. I I say this by permission. You know, not by, like God saying, I have to say this. There are a lot of people that talk about this great, you know, two-thirds of the nation will be dead in a year or two because of the vaccine. And and I pray about this, and I say, Lord, if that is true, give me some wisdom here. 
and I, I read a lot of doctors, and there's some that look for this apocalyptic almost kind of possibility. It's not the strongest possibility. But many believe that there's going to be a consequence to this vaccine. And the one that just keeps coming into my mind as I sleep and I pray and I think and I say, Lord, give me some wisdom. The one thing that keeps witnessing to my heart is this. People that normally would have lived to be older will die sooner. It's not going to be this millions of people dropping down on the street scenario. People that may have lived to be, I don't know, 85 may make it to 78. People that plan to have children will find out they're unable to conceive. I think these are the side effects that are going to increasingly be showing up. And it'll be so gradual. If the intent is to lower the population of the earth over the next 10, 15 years, it will work. And you'll have a bunch of robust middle-aged people with very few kids. And the older generation mostly wiped out prematurely. You know, all us baby boomers are hitting the Social Security system and Medicare, and that can be a problem, especially with our printing money and devaluing with the things we have. So we'll see. We'll see. In Ohio, Rhino Governor DeWine, Mike DeWine, he signed legislation. He's trying to play it both ways. You know, he's, a, he's one of those lockdown kings in, in Ohio. He signed legislation last week preventing public schools and universities from requiring people to receive the COVID-19 vaccine, which has not been fully approved by the FDA. So all the good conservatives are now, you know, clapping their hands. Thank you, Governor. Yes, we don't want to be forced to take this. But see, he didn't even make any comment when he signed the bill because it doesn't make any difference. The vaccines from Moderna, Johnson and Johnson, Pfizer or they're being, under, they're being administered under this emergency use authorization, and they're not fully approved. And really, in, in normal circumstances, it would take years to be approved, years to have all the studies done. But some people believe it may be even approved by the FDA, you know, circumventing their own process later this year. But the problem with the bill that Governor Phony Rhino DeWine signed in Ohio is this. It takes effect 90 days after he signs it, okay? He signs it in July, which means that it's going to take effect, what, in October after school has already started and they've already told you you can't come? It's a political stunt from a rhino, a real, honest-to-goodness rhino. He's a Mitt Romney. He's a John McCain. He's a Murkowski. He's a phony. He's really a leftist at heart. It's a big stunt. So, and according to local reporters, when he was signing it, he didn't even make any comment. He just signed it and walked away. And the governor there, Rhino DeWine, is calling on the FDA to rapidly move the COVID-19 vaccines from emergency use authorization and hurry it up to full approval. This way, the bill is unnecessary, and then the schools can mandate it. Look, I have he's either an idiot or a tool of big pharma. Any type of new technology vaccine takes years, even decades, 
to be approved, and the vast majority never make it to final approval. So to my friends in Ohio, do whatever you can do to get that man primaried and out of office in 2022. He's a dismal failure for you. He said it's past time that the FDA take into account the hundreds of millions who have received these vaccines and move it from emergency basis to regular. Look, we know of probably, what, six to 10,000 people have died because of the vaccine, but the VIRS system only catches 1% to 10%. If that's the case, more people have died from the vaccine than COVID, if that's the case. And we know the numbers for COVID were inflated. So what are the, learned, what are the long-term effects, Governor Rhino Devine, DeWine? Tell me, Governor, what are those long-term effects of the concoctions? How do they impact infertility? Why are women who are pregnant having miscarriages following the vaccines? Why are young people getting inflamed hearts and blood clots? How many people have really been injured or died? The answer is you have no clue and you don't care. You're nothing but a shill, a fraud, and a phony. And I hope the good people of the Buckeye State of Ohio throw you out and send you packing. The governor argued that the vaccines are still being administered under only emergency use, and he would rather see it, you know, no longer the emergency. You know, Democrats in Ohio opposed his signing of the bill. Why? It doesn't have any. It's a toothless bill. It's worthless. Tomorrow, I'm not going to have time today. I've got some really great stories coming up here. And I really hate to push this off to tomorrow, but I'm, I have no choice. Just It's just that I can't fit it all into a program today. I will tell you about some of what I have in mind here. I've been doing some research on the World Economic Forum. You know, that's kind of this weird organization. And it is weird when you when you dig into it. The history, the, the principle, the guy that founded it in 1971, Klaus Schwab. And how this obscure guy became world famous. And you got people all over the world just bowing down at his altar and believing every word of wisdom that falls from the man's mouth. And when I look at the stuff, this is this this guy is the new world order. This is the elite. This is those telling you how you're going to live your life. And these quotes you hear people talk about when it comes to the World Economic Forum, the idea that you'll own nothing and be happy, it is very true. They have a website. They're, they're very open about what they stand for. When President Trump first became president, I think it was the next winter that he traveled to Davos for their annual summit. World leaders, the bigwigs, you know, the Justin Trudeaus, the... Macrons of France and the Chinese and and the and the Markles of Germany, they all they all go to Davos to to learn from the master himself on how we're going to have a great global reset and fix the world. These people are going to be wanting to change everything. And I really want to get you to understand where this is leading. And that's going to be my lead story tomorrow. And also how the Green New Deal is, is a bad deal for everybody. 
As a guy that spent his life in broadcast engineering, I am a believer in technology and the good uses. I really, truly believe that science can take care of a lot of issues that we come into play with on this earth. I believe that solar energy has got a very good future if properly done. I'm not a great fan of wind. Now, maybe you have a reason to tell me otherwise, but it's not going to be covering the nation. And it's amazing how well solar can eventually work to help you get off the grid. I'll be talking to a friend in the next several days, even more, about how he has done just that. And he no longer is connected to the power company. And he makes his own power. And it took a little effort. He's learned a lot. And technology is improving. It's one of the things God gave us the sun and God gave us brains. And it's just learning over time how photocells, I remember the days of photocells 40 years ago. It was like you couldn't do it. But every year it gets better and better. So I have no particular problem with solar. I really don't. And I think that it is going to be a great help. But that doesn't mean we just stop using what they call improperly fossil fuels. Let's build toward a transition over time, not just upset everything and destroy everything at once. We've done that properly with science over the generations, and I don't understand what the rush is to shut off everything, destroy economies and people's lives. I, I just don't understand it. And so when I look at the the World Economic Forum, I'm, I'm worried. I look at this new green deal this is nothing but earth worship and creation denied in other words the creator denied you're you're you don't believe in the creator but you worship his creation and you can see in the bible the warning about what what happens in that scenario and so tomorrow we're going to talk about the great reset uh the fraud of climate change and other things that happen Elevated CO2 in youngsters causing issues, and a whole lot more. I work hard, I'm not bragging on myself here, and I'm not asking for sympathy. I work hard to do this program and produce it each day. Some days the program I think is just terrible. I just I just do the best that I can. And I appreciate the wonderful letters that you send me. I get a lot of them. I get emails and letters, and they mean more to me than you'll ever know. I've got several that I'm, I need to reply to. And I want to thank those that have financially supported this to keep it on the air. We barely, somehow we just get there every month. We got another week and a half and we'll be ready to pay another big bill. And if you can help, I'd appreciate it. Our mailing address is simply 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. In Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. If you're a new listener on KYAH, let me know. And until tomorrow, may God richly bless you as my prayer. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth. To ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.